Well, welcome again to week number three of our 75th anniversary celebration as we are just giving thanks to God um, all across this fall season for his goodness to us over 75 years. And, and again, hasn't it been great uh, having Kevin uh, back with us to help us worship the Lord? We're so grateful that, that he could be here. And... Um, we're so glad for that. Before we, we get into our, our study of God's word this morning, I wanna update you on a couple of things. If you are here last week, you'll remember that we, we talked about who's your one, uh, about our responsibility to share our faith with people in our lives. And uh, I just wanna let you know, uh, 86 people, 86 of you made commitments to do that, to pray for their one for the next 30 days and even maybe beyond that, uh, 86 people, maybe even more put uh, something up this morning, you know, as you came in. And I'm just really excited about that, excited that so many of you did that. I also want to um, uh, go ahead, give that a, a, a round of applause. Um, I, I want to also encourage you, if you didn't do that last week, or maybe you weren't here last week, there's still plenty of time. Uh, this is not like a one-time, you know, limited time offer. Uh, you, you can continue to do that, and if you would like to include um, your one's name up on that prayer wall, you know, first names, all that's needed, uh, you, can, you can pick up one of the cards uh, out in the lobby, the bookmarks. Uh, they look like this, and uh, you'll be able to tear off the top of that, put this up on there, and then have a bookmark with you to remind you to uh, pray for your one um, every day for the next uh, 30 days. And I also wanted to show you a, a cool picture because some of our life groups are doing this together. And uh, they're, they're praying for their ones together. I mentioned something like that last week. And uh, this is one of the groups, I think, that's done that. Um, praying and encouraging one another as they seek to share Jesus with friends uh, in their lives. And I just wanted to offer this to you. If you uh, in your life group are doing that or if you want to start doing that, go ahead and send me a picture. I would love uh, to see that and, and know that that's happening in your, your life group. So uh, also one more thing about this. I almost forgot to mention. I have it in my notes. But this Wednesday at midweek, uh, 63 of our students made a similar commitment uh, to pray for the ones in, in their life. And that, I think, is a, a good thing to clap for. Amen. Amen. Also, uh, last week, we celebrated baptism. If you were here, you saw that 16 people made public professions of their faith in Jesus Christ. And amen for that. And uh, you will want to be here next week. We're gonna be able to show you a video of, of that afternoon. I think that you'll enjoy seeing and we'll be able to celebrate again. Well, uh, today, uh, as you've already heard from what uh, Pastor Chris said earlier, we are talking about the importance of serving. And we're doing that because serving is at the heart of God's call for all of us as his people. But let's be honest, right? Serving is not one of those topics that we typically get really excited to talk about. In fact, I can tell you as a pastor, I rarely have people come to me and say, Pastor Mike, I mean, I just wanna know when are you going to preach a sermon on serving again? I love those sermons. They're, they're like my second favorite sermons next to your sermons on tithing. <laughs> See, we, we don't think like that. And truth is, nobody ever asks me that. But truth also is that God calls all of us to serve and he actually calls us to service with a smile. He actually calls us to serve and to have a good attitude when we're serving. 
So I just wanna ask you as we are getting started this morning, how are you doing on that? How are you doing on that? I don't know if you ever heard the story about the wife who went uh, with her husband to the doctor and he seemed to be pretty sick and after the checkup, the, the wife was called in by the doctor into his office alone because he said he really needed to talk to her privately and he said to her, you know, I'm sorry, I have bad news for you. Your husband's heart is in serious trouble and the truth is this, he's going to die unless you do the following things. You need to, because of all the stress in his life, you need to fix all of his meals so have healthy food, you know, following these dietary guidelines. It's vital, it's vital that you're always, always pleasant around him. You just don't burden him with any chores in his life. You just need to let him rest all the time. And, and certainly, just don't tell him your problems. It's only gonna worsen his stress. But most importantly, I need you to know that um, you need to make love to your husband several times a week. It's just gonna help him as he recovers. And I'm telling you, if you will do all of these things for the next year, he should recover completely. When she left the office, got in the car, and they were driving home, and the husband asked his wife, well, what did the doctor say? And she replied, he said you're going to die. He said, you're going to die because I'm not doing that, <laughs> right? Do you ever, ever see a need in someone's life and you find yourself thinking, I'm not doing that? When Pastor Chris you know, got up here a few moments ago and asked you to fill out a survey, did you say to yourself, I'm not doing that? Some of you, 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 you did the QR code, held your phone up, took the picture, you know, and you said, I'll fill it, you know, out when I get home, but you know, I'm not doing that. I mean, how many times, just be honest, how many times when someone asks you to serve somewhere, anywhere in your Southman's family, do you find yourself thinking, I'm not doing that? I'll be honest with you, I'm your pastor, and sometimes someone asks me, to serve in some way, and I think, I'm not doing that. Because <laughs> we all do that sometimes. But some of us, we do it all the time, right? I'm not doing that. We, we do it, I think, even when we know we should serve. We, we do it even when that need is like right there in front of us. We, we think, I don't have time for that. We think, I don't like doing that. We think, you know, someone else should be doing that. And sometimes, and you know who you are, sometimes we complain that something isn't good done at church like it ought to be done. But if someone asks us to do it, we're like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and here's, here's what always, always happens when we don't serve. When, when you don't serve, someone doesn't get loved in Jesus' name. Someone's life doesn't get changed. We have less joy in our, our lives because we don't serve. God is not glorified. And the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, always looks less attractive. Now, here's what I think about us, okay, Southwinds. I think, and I really believe that 
We want other people to know Jesus Christ, right? We want other people to experience eternal life. I I think that we want to glorify God. But life's busyness and our flesh, and yes, sometimes even just our outright, our sin, just get in the way. And so we don't serve. Or if we do serve, we don't serve with a smile. There's a real familiar story. It's in the Gospel of John. It's chapter 13, verses one through 17. And I really think this story helps us get back to serving with a smile. It's actually one of my favorite stories from Jesus' life. It's probably one of yours. If you don't know it already and you'll wanna be getting there while I'm talking right now, it is the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. So what we're gonna do with our time this morning is work our way through this story, and as we do, we're gonna see four characteristics of service with a smile, and you can go ahead and write the first one down right now. The first characteristic is love, love. We, we always serve, and it's gonna be an overflow of love, the love that's within us. Look at verse one, John 13, one. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world, this world, and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Now, we know from reading the entire Gospel of John that right here in John 13, we are at the night before Jesus died, and it is his last meal with his disciples. He has less than 24 hours to live. And what he most wants to do at this moment, this night, this place with his friends is he wants to serve them. He wants to show them how much he loved them. And the way Jesus does this is, of course, he washes their feet. Now, for us today in 2022 to get what is going on, we need to understand the historic and cultural background. And I just wanna tell you, and you'll probably get this, but washing feet was not a job that anyone wanted to. You know, no one filled out that thing at career day in high school and said, you know, what do you wanna be one day? A foot washer. <laughs> Nobody wanted that job. And actually, it it was back then way worse than we could even imagine. Because in that day, uh, roads were seldom paved. They were mostly just dirt trails, dusty in the summer, muddy in the winter. Livestock traveled the roads that everyone walked on, doing what animals always do. There were no sewer systems back in that day. And people wore open-toed sandals. And so that means that their feet were always covered with dust and mud and manure and filth. And that is why it was customary for a host to provide a slave at the door to wash the feet of dinner guests whenever they arrived. This slave would would kneel down at the feet of the people coming in with a a, a basin of water, a towel, and he would wash and dry filthy feet. And it was actually such an unpleasant job that it was only given to the lowliest slaves. Evidently, there were some slaves who would say, I don't do dirty feet. But Jesus did. John says he served because he loved. If if you're like noting things here, you might wanna underline or circle that word love. It occurs two times in this verse. 
It says, notice this phrase, uh, he, he now showed them the full extent of his love. In other words, he is, he is now showing the disciples how much he loves them that he would even wash their dirty feet. Quick question for you, do you do dirty feet? Do you do dirty feet? What's, what's dirty feet for you? See, I, I think we need to re- realize that serving with a smile will always, always require that we wash some filthy feet. Or do you say, I'm not doing that? See, anyone, <laughs> anyone wanna guess uh, what is the most common reason or excuse that pastors get for not serving? You probably can guess it. If you can't, I'll put it on the screen. It's this. I'm too busy. I don't have time. Now, with that excuse in mind, because we're all busy people, right? You can say amen to that. You don't want to admit to being busy right now, right? <laughs> we're, all, we're all busy people. But with that in mind, you know, us living our lives as such busy people, I want you to look at verse 13, or verse one in, in chapter 13 again. John writes, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. I already told you in less than 24 hours, Jesus is gonna die. In less than 24 hours, the Son of God is gonna be hanging on a cross, atoning for the sins of the world. In other words, nothing more momentous had ever happened in human history, and nothing ever will. And yet... Jesus had time to wash dirty feet. You know what I think? I said this last week about another topic. I think it's true about this one. I think most of us figure out a way to do what we want. And all God's people said, we just do, right? We do the stuff that we want. And I I, I think that means if I don't serve, it's really because I really don't want to serve. And I also think, looking at this verse, that the reason for that usually is I do not love as I should. I wanna ask you to ask yourself, am I not serving like I should because I don't love like I should? See, a problem with serving is always a problem with love. See, a problem we have with the hands that don't serve is always the problem with the heart that doesn't love. How many of you um, have seen the movie The Princess Bride? It's been out for 35 years. Anybody remember that movie? This is kind of one of those movies I've discovered over the years. People either hate it or, or they love it. And I think it's a pretty great movie. Some people call it the greatest love story ever told. Probably not that. But it's a fun movie. It's a comedy. There's great characters. There's a, a lot of uh, quotable lines. Maybe you know the story. The story starts off like this. It's set in modern times when the story begins. And, and Grandpa comes to visit his sick grandson. He's going to keep him company. And so he's going to read to him this story. And it turns out this story he's going to read to him is called The Princess Bride. And as he begins to read this story, we, we meet this beautiful princess named Buttercup. Remember? And she spends her days on her farm, mostly just ordering her farmhand around. And her farmhand's name is Wesley. And she's always giving him commands like, hey, farm boy, 
Polish my horse's saddle. Some of you have seen it. I can see you're laughing. You remember, I want to see my face shining in it in the morning. And the farm boy, Wesley, would always respond with the same line. Do you know it? As you wish. As you wish. Now, we we are told uh, by the grandfather as he's reading this story that that as you wish was like the only thing Wesley would ever say to Buttercup, and she's just always ordering him around. And then one particular day, he's chopping wood there on the farm. He's following Buttercup's orders. And in the middle of that, she comes up with these barrels, and she says to him, farm boy, fill these with water, please. And Wesley replies, as you wish. And then she turns away, and we see Wesley staring at her adoringly and this music is playing and he looks back down because she turns back to look at him and she kind of has the same look in her eyes and then the scene cuts back to the grandfather reading the story to his grandson and he says, that day she was amazed to discover that when he was saying as you wish, what he meant was I love you. And I wanna say to you today whenever We serve others in the name of Jesus. We are saying to Jesus, I love you. See, Jesus served us out of his love. Our response to him should be the same, that we love, and so therefore we serve. Service with a smile always flows from our love. That's the first characteristic. Second characteristic we see in verses two through five, and that is humility. And humility means we serve wherever needed. I want you to listen to what John tells us, starting in verse two. He says, the evening meal was being served, and the devil was, had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to portray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, what Jesus is doing here, you need to understand in washing the disciples' feet, it's incredibly humble. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, it was a, it was a physically unpleasant task for all of those reasons that I already mentioned. And on top of that, it, it was just awkward, right? Just think about it. Just put yourself there. I mean, if Jesus took just like a minute to wash each foot, right? There's 12 disciples. Can you do the math today? That's 24 feet he's got to, to wash that means he's washing feet for like a half an hour, just going from disciple to disciple, from foot to foot, as everybody sits there and watches him, like awkward, right? Can you say awkward? Say awkward. This is awkward, right? It, 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 was, it was physically an unpleasant thing, this embarrassed silence going on as everyone looked at the ground knowing they should have been doing what Jesus was doing. And secondly, it was socially degrading in their culture. See, their, their culture had clearly defined roles. And, and even today, I mean, we kind of get this. We have different kind of a culture, but we kind of get this. It's, it's like normal to wash your own feet for like the same reason you floss your own teeth, right? You, you, don't, 
you don't ask someone else to floss your teeth for you, right? Unless you're paying them a lot of money sometimes. It's just kind of a personal thing. And back then, if someone did wash your feet, they were always your social inferior. They were always far below you in status. They, they would be a slave. Now, the culture back then, their culture was what we would call today an honor-shame culture. And in that kind of a culture, social standing, respecting your superiors, like knowing your place, those are very high priorities for them. And some of us come from cultures like this, so maybe we understand better than those of us who've only grown up in known American culture. Because in American culture, we, we tend to downplay and de-emphasize class and status differences. You know, like if you went to a restaurant uh, with your boss, and this was a restaurant where they had drink, free drink refills where you just... You know, could go get them anytime you want, and you both emptied your, your glasses. Your boss said, Hey, let me get you a refill. And, and he went up and refilled both of your glasses. You probably wouldn't say to him, Oh, no, 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 you, you don't, don't do that. You can't do that. You are shaming me. You're my boss. You're my superior. Let me serve you. You wouldn't say that. But in that culture, it would have been a really big deal. If you want to maybe get a sense of, what that was like and what it felt like for the disciples. So imagine this scenario. Let's just imagine you invited your boss over for dinner at your house and, and during the meal, he excused himself and went toward the back of your house and he didn't come back for a while. And after a few minutes, you got a little concerned and so you got up and you went back there and checked on him and you found your boss cleaning your bathroom toilet. That would be awkward, right? That would be really strange. You would be embarrassed. You would say, please don't do that. It's that sort of feeling that they had. Jesus, like, why are you doing this? Jesus, why would you lower yourself? And that's the point. Jesus was willing to lower himself and serve because he loved, because he was humble. And I hope you are seeing that humility and love always go together. You can't have one without the other. And again, I'll say this. If you have a problem with serving, you have a problem with loving. And if you have a problem with loving, you're gonna have a problem with humility. They just, they go together like this. I, I, wanna, I wanna make two observations about the kind of humble service we should, we should engage in. The first one is that uh, humility doesn't draw attention to itself. You'll notice in the text, Jesus doesn't say a word about washing feet. He just starts washing. Do you do that? I'll ask it another way. Have you ever served and then you made sure that someone noticed? Right? This is what I would call embarrassed and guilty silence, right? Because here's what I think. I think all of us have done that. We serve, but we wanna make sure someone notices. And so what Jesus is showing us is simply this. When you are humbly washing feet, you don't need to Instagram it and hashtag it. Hashtag honor to serve. Hashtag blessed to be a blessing. You know, you're not drawing attention to yourself because when you are humbly washing feet, no one needs to know. Serving is not about you. Serving is about loving other people. It's about loving God, about glorifying God. 
Second, humility doesn't care if anyone notices. And I, I believe the mark really of a true servant ultimately is they don't want to be noticed. They don't care if anyone sees. Their only concern is to please God by serving. And since they know that God sees everything, they just serve. They're just content with knowing the fact that their father is in heaven, is watching them, and he's going to reward them, and that's enough. In fact, one of the signs that your humility may need a little work is when you get upset that no one noticed. Like some of you husbands this week, you took out the trash and you got kind of mad because your wife didn't say thank you. You know, and make like a big deal. Oh, my hero, you, you walked out to the trash can. <laughs> you know, if, if you get upset that no one appreciates what you, you did, then you're not serving with humility. Serving with humility means we are content with getting only the smile of God. And now, I'm not saying that we should not appreciate others, because some of us have this other problem. You're like, yeah, I'd ever say thank you. Don't want them to get a big head. That's not good either. We should do our best to thank others because being thankful is another thing God calls us to do. But when you're not recognized and then you get angry or then you quit, that's pride. I had to to fly to SoCal this week for a quick trip. Um, And uh, on Friday evening, I was coming home. My flight was delayed. That flight is always delayed. It seems like every time I take that flight, I 90% 90% of the time it's delayed. And so God had to do some attitude work on me. Um, you know. And um, this time it wasn't the worst scene. People seemed to kind of roll with it. But I, I heard this week about uh, another flight where this flight was canceled because of some bad weather. And I think a lot of us experienced this. And so in this particular airport, at this particular time, there was one agent trying to rebook all of these passengers, all of these travelers whose schedules have been uh, disrupted. And in the midst of this long line, this one guy, he pushes up to the front and he shoves his phone with his boarding pass like right in the agent's face. And he says to her, I have to be on this flight and I have to be in first class. And the agent politely said, well, sir, I'm sorry. I'm gonna help you as soon as I can. But there's this line, I have to take care of these other people first. And this man looked at her and he angrily shouted to her, I cannot wait. Do you have any idea who I am? And uh, without hesitating, and this is one of those, like, you you hear this and you go, I wish I could do that. This agent picks up the loudspeaker microphone and speaks through it and says, attention, everyone, may I have your attention, please? Uh, We have a passenger here at the gate who does not know who he is. (laughs) If anyone can help him find his identity, would you please come to the gate? So that man kind of backed off, obviously, and it was so great. The whole area gate just burst into applause, you know. Now, speaking of pride, when you look at this story, doesn't this this passage make all of our petty pretensions just look ridiculous? Look again at verses three and four. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. What's the next word? So, so 
he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Jesus washed feet with a full knowledge of who he was, that he was the Lord of the universe, that all things were under his power. He knew that he would soon once again be ruling, reigning, sitting at the right hand of the Father in charge of the cosmos. And it was out of that that he served. Do you see the humility that John is meant to make us understand and see? It all reminds me of, of Paul's magnificent words in Philippians chapter two, verses five through nine. Do you remember these words? He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. One of the fascinating things about this passage when you read the original Greek text is that a lot of the verbs our present tense. John is trying to make it come alive. And, and, and our translation's rendered in the past because that's, that's how we talk. But a lot of these tenses are in the present. And, and, and Kent Hughes talks about this and connects it to this, uh, this passage in Philippians. He says this, Jesus rises from supper just as in the incarnation he rose from his place of perfect fellowship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. He lays aside his garments just as he had temporarily set aside his glorious existence. He takes a towel just as he took upon himself the form of a servant. He wraps a towel around his waist for he had come to serve. He pours water into the basin just as he was about to pour out his blood in order to wash away human sin. He washes his disciples' feet just as he cleanses his children. On this remarkable occasion, Jesus perfectly staged a portrayal of his whole life from birth to death to resurrection. It was a dramatization of Philippians 2, 5 through 9. Isn't that amazing? And it just highlights the truth that I wanna drive home. Please do not forget it. Humility means I serve wherever needed. What would that be for you? What is God's Holy Spirit right now calling you to do? Where is he calling you to serve? Look at the third trait. I wanna call this grace. And I wanna explain it like this. We, we allow others to serve us. And we see this in verses six through 11. It says, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. Now, 
these verses help us to see a larger picture because they, they ground our understanding of servanthood within the larger reality of God's grace. In other words, Jesus is not just giving an example of humility by washing the disciples' feet. What he's doing is dramatically painting this picture of what his entire life, his entire ministry were all about. And none of those disciples, they, they, they didn't want Jesus to wash their feet. But as usual, Peter was the one who spoke up and he said, Jesus, no way, no way, no way are you ever gonna wash my feet. Why did he say that? Because he was humble? And the answer is no. No, it's not humility at all. It, it was, as like we've said, it just felt wrong. It wasn't right for a master to serve in that culture. But here's what Jesus was saying, and this is such an important thing. Jesus was saying, my kingdom is different. Everyone serves in my kingdom because my kingdom is a kingdom of grace. And see, when we know that we deserve nothing that we have received, that it's all by grace, then serving should become this natural response. We're not, we're not concerned uh, about our privileges. We're not concerned about our priorities. We're set free to serve. And so Jesus tells Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Now, if you know Peter, you know Peter's a little extra, right? <laughs> And, and he says, you know, wash everything. But Jesus is not talking about that. It, it, this word wash has a, a dual meaning here. It speaks not only of the, the foot washing that Jesus was giving, it also speaks of the, of the cleansing that Peter needed to be a follower of Jesus. And, and, so, and so Peter's saying, hey, I want the whole package, the deluxe package in verse nine. And Jesus responds in verse 10 by saying, my grace has already cleansed all of you, all but one. And of course, that was Judas. And Jesus, what he's doing here is he's reminding his disciples that only he can cleanse from sin. It's only he who can take care of our, our sin debt. And it's only when we trust in his death on the cross to bring us cleansing and bring us forgiveness that we are cleansed. It is this, this miracle of grace. It is this gift of God. We cannot earn it. We can only receive it. And I wanna ask today, have you received it? Have you been cleansed? Are you today living in the reality of God's grace, the grace that cleanses from all sin? Maybe you're like Peter, and maybe you had this bath. You just need to have your, your feet washed. And what that is referring to is the daily cleansing from sin that we all need whenever we sin. We need to repent of our sin. We need to confess our sin and just receive cleansing from Jesus once again from our sin. And that, of course, sets us free to serve. And I think it's when we see these two meanings together that the importance of receiving becomes apparent you see, to become a disciple, we must each receive Jesus' forgiveness and grace. And that is a very large thing. And here's the thing. If we can receive that from Jesus, why should we not receive service from others? If you're one of those people that when someone says they want to do something for you, your immediate response is no, 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 no. And you think it's because you're so humble can I suggest to you that it's more likely the reason you say no, 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 no is because you're prideful. 
servant is not only willing to serve, a servant is also willing to be served. And Jesus is showing us that here. Maybe you could put it this way, a true servant not only gives, but also receives. And I just wanna ask you, where do you need to receive serving? Where do you need to receive service from someone? Let's look at the fourth thing we see about servanthood, obedience. Jesus commands us to serve. Obedience is almost always part of true servanthood because, because serving will often not be something that you actually want to do, right? I mean, sometimes we just need to be obedient. Sometimes it's just this particular thing that we don't really like to do. Sometimes it's a particular someone we don't want to serve. When you think about who's at the table here, okay? Judas is at the table. Do you ever stop to think about what that must have been like? Can you imagine what might have been going through Jesus' minds as he held Judas's foot? Like he's actually touching the foot of his betrayer. This is the guy who's gonna end him. Jesus knows I can do anything I want. I have all the power. I could end this before it begins. Jesus holds all things in his hands, John tells us, but at this very moment, the hands of the creator are scraping manure off a betrayer's foot. I mean, just think of who else was there. Peter is so passionate. Peter talks a good game, but he has no follow through. And Jesus knows that by the end of the night, Peter is gonna go from saying, I will die for you to saying, I don't even know this guy. And the rest of the disciples, are they any better? Everybody say, no. They're just the same. They're doubters. They're fearful. They're weak. Every single one of them is gonna abandon Jesus, let Jesus down. Why? Why is Jesus doing this for these people? It's what we call grace. God's kindness to those who don't deserve it. See, God doesn't say, clean yourself up and then I'll love you. God says, I love you already. Let me make you clean. I wanna be in relationship with you. Let me make it so that you can come into my presence without guilt, without shame. It's grace. God does not love us because we're worthy. He makes us worthy because he loves us. And again, recognizing grace makes us free to obey, free to serve. Now, I don't want you to miss in these verses that Jesus is commanding us to serve. Do you see that? It is a command. Service is not an option for the obedient follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus asks a question to get the disciples to think about what he's done. We see that in verses 12 through 15. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now again, notice Jesus, he throws the disciples a curve here because they might have expected him to say, you know, I wash your feet, so you wash my feet. Everybody wants to wash Jesus' feet. Who would like to wash Jesus' feet? Wouldn't that be an awesome privilege? Everybody wants to wash Jesus' feet. I don't wanna wash your feet right? But that's what Jesus says. 
They would have all jumped to do that, but Jesus says, no, you don't need to wash my feet, you wash one another's feet. You wanna serve me, Jesus says you serve others. And that's a principle. We serve Jesus by serving other people. And I was just thinking about that truth in light of our history. I believe this has been true for 75 years, Southwinds, that we have been at our best whenever we have been lovingly and humbly and obediently serving other people in Jesus' name. Now, you're gonna need to come back in the weeks that are ahead but I wanna give you a little sneak preview. In God's providence, just recently, I met someone who was a part of our church family in 1948. And we're gonna share their story with you. And I'm not telling you when, because I know who you are. You're just gonna have to show up. I don't know when it's gonna happen, but it is gonna happen. You're gonna wanna hear this story, okay? And you're just gonna be reminded of how serving has been woven into all that we have been as a church family for 75 years. Jesus concludes his teaching in verses 16 and and 17. He says, I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Who wants God's blessing in your life? Would you raise your hands? Then you gotta serve. It's like like Pastor Chris said when you were getting ready to do the survey. We don't want something from you as much as we want something for you. See, Jesus says the secret of blessing is simple. You build the habit of serving deeply into your lives. And parents, I just wanna say something to you. It's so very important one of the, one of, there's so many blessings that we could talk about. It'd be a whole nother message. But, but one of the blessings, parents, I want you to hear is that when you serve and when you are faithful and when you live out this message of Jesus in your life, it not only changes you, it changes your kids. Dana and I <clears throat> are at this stage in our lives. Our kids are grown up. Three of them are married uh, three, of, three of them are producing grandchildren, which means they're highly blessed. Um, we're praying for the other one one day. <laughs> and you know, by God's grace, Dan and I are so very grateful that all of our adult kids are, are following Jesus, are seeking to serve Jesus. And, and our kids are not perfect. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that. You know, uh, Dan made a lot of mistakes raising them. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you get the joke, okay? <laughs> but I just want you to see serving brings blessing. And this is just one of the areas. And some of you, if you wanna see your kids change, maybe what needs to happen is you need to change. You need to serve. See, I think when we, we come to this part of the story, this is one of those places in the Bible where we discover where we discover whether or not we believe that Jesus knows what he's talking about. Say, so who wants to be blessed? Well, we all wanna be blessed. Well, are you serving? And if you're not serving, do you truly believe Jesus knows what he's talking about? 
It's pretty interesting to me right now because I found this out <clears throat> just a little while ago before this service started. I had planned to talk on this topic on this Sunday back during the summer. We set the schedule. And so only God knew where we would be today. And here's our reality right now. As we're coming out of this, this pandemic season, more and more people are returning. More of us are returning after this strange couple of years. But the truth is, the reality is more and more of us have not been returning to service. Uh, and this is kind of a, it's a nationwide thing. I've been reading about it. A lot of churches are experiencing this. It's just a reality and in fact, on this day, before our service, uh, Pastor Chris Martinez came to me and showed me the sheet that we have, which lays out all the volunteers for the day. And guess what? There were no confirmed people on our usher team, on our greeter team, on our parking team. There were some people maybe were going to come, but no one had said they were coming. And this just reflects the reality. I'm sure some of you actually came and you're going to serve. I'm just telling you what we knew before nine o'clock. This has been the way it is. Time after time, Sunday after Sunday, we are grabbing people and asking them just kind of randomly, can you help do this? Can you help do that? And I'm just saying, I think Jesus is saying to us, it's time to serve. Find a place to serve. Here's a, a, a list, again, uh, you saw it earlier, of, of some of the places we need servants to sign up and show up and make a difference, and oh yes, to be blessed. And see, I'm gonna leave you with this. If you filled out the survey, I hope you will respond whenever we contact you and help you find a place to serve according to God's gifting in your life. If you haven't filled out the survey yet, I hope you will. And I, I wanna be real clear, this message is not to shame anyone. That's not how, how Jesus operates. It is, however, a clear reminder and a loud reminder to every one of us that if you're part of the Southman's family, Jesus calls you to serve. And it may be in an existing ministry. It may be in a new ministry that you can start. It may be on our campus. It may be somewhere out in our community. But Jesus is calling you to serve. I hope you will follow. Let me read to you again those last words that Jesus spoke in this passage. Now that you know these things, you will be, say it with me, blessed if you do them. Don't miss out on blessing. Let us serve the Lord Jesus and the people he loves so dearly that he gave his life for them. Amen. This is the word of God, the word of God for us, Southwinds on this day. All God's people say, amen. amen. Would you bow your heads as we pray? Father God, we ask that um, you would just speak so clearly to our hearts. Lord, as I have looked around this room this morning, I know in my, in my spirit there's so much potential for love and life transformation. There's so much salt and light, Lord, that you have put in us. We are your servants, and I pray, Lord, for willing hearts. I, I pray, Lord, that we would set aside whatever excuses and uh, rationales, whatever agendas, whatever conveniences, whatever comforts, Lord, that we have. May we love others like you have loved us. 
And so, Lord, I ask that you would lead us and we would follow you, that we would follow you, the supreme servant, and we would live our lives in a way that just brings such love and grace to Tracy, Mountain House, and Lathrop. We pray all these things now in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, the name of the one who came to serve. And all God's people said,